0: That's Sarah. That's Emily. And this is
1: Lightweight True Crime. (laughs)
0: so we used a real cheers
1: oh hi rye um tell our adoring fans what we're drinking they're drinking
0: whiskey gingers mm-hmm. the first time i tried this i didn't like it but i like it this time
1: oh well, good i'm glad yeah it's a good uh it's a not often plot of combination you know yeah it's, but- it's a
0: and like i like ginger
1: hmm but I don't love ginger beer. Like,
0: so I don't know. But this one's good.
1: Yeah, it hits so, just right.
0: Yeah, it hits just right. Yeah, sure. I'm. I'm just. I'm used to like fruity drinks that I can just like gulp, and it's yeah. fine. So if it's the itty bittiest bit bitter, <laughs>
1: yeah, then it's no good. So, okay. So speaking of that, I um. Went up to my aunt and uncle's house for dinner. Uh, like last week. Speaking weekend. of bitter. So, <laughs> Just I mean, kidding. I mean, it could be the maybe, party. but that's not what this story is about. Party. Um, and it was funny because I get up there and they're like, "Oh, do you want something to drink?" And I'm thinking like a glass of wine, a beer. And my aunt Chris goes, "Oh my gosh, I'll have you ever had a fireball?" And in my head, I was like. Is it a certain type of cocktail? Like I know what Fireball whiskey is, uh-huh. but nobody has ever called it a fire- uh, Fireball. Also, the only context, the only way I've ever drank Fireball whiskey is in shot form. You know, right. so you don't I was like, sip it. She's not offering me a shot before dinner, and and so I was like, oh yeah, sure. Like, what is it? She's like, it's it's the cinnamony like whiskey, and you pour it over ice, and it's a sipper. And in my, I was like, I was like, you're gonna pour me a shot of fireball Fireball to sip and it it was funny because and I could be wrong but in my mind like fireball whiskey is cheap bad whiskey and yeah and she was treating it like it was this like nice like this fancy cocktail and so I was like sure was it (laughs) good? yeah I I mean I'll shoot fireball like cold fireball isn't bad it's just to me fireball tastes ridiculous because it tastes like you're like sugar well, it tastes like you're drinking the big red gum. Yeah, like that's Which I it, love. Right, it's great gum, but it's a weird thing to drink in like liquid. Yeah. Anyway, so it was funny.
0: But when uh. I when I first started drinking, because I didn't drink at all until Ryan and I started dating, and I I knew that like I was probably gonna like Fireball because all the guys I hung out with in college, like you know, they would do s- stupid stuff like shoot Fireball for no reason. And I would always be like, can I smell it? Cause I just didn't understand alcohol or anything. And I was like, it smells just like big red. And I just want some so bad, but I knew it would be gross. So yeah. like for the longest time, people would be like, let's do shots. And I'd be like, I only drink fireball.
1: <laughs> I'm that girl. I'm that girl. Um, and
0: I, I haven't really had it since then. I kind of want to try it over ice now. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't do yeah. it.
1: Let's do it. Next, next episode. That'll Perfect. be what to do. Um, Quarantine true crime, uh, show recommendation. Yes, please. I couldn't believe I hadn't heard about this case, let alone like watch this show. I keep meaning to text you about it. It's on Hulu. It's called, um, oh shit. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Why can't I hold on? I texted it to Anne. I know for sure. Um, Oh, God damn it. I, like, I'm so ready to talk about this. Uh, so it's a show called, oh, my gosh. This is great content. I'm so sorry. And now I'm...
0: I, I hope it's something that I've seen. So I'm going to be like, oh, no, yeah, I've seen that. So all of this work is for waste.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, What's it about? Oh, my gosh. This is so bad. Oh, okay. It's called Cold Valley. And... Okay. It is on Hulu and it's two episodes. It's a true, like it's a documentary. Wow. It's not like a fictional thing. It's two episodes. But each episode is like an hour and a half. And it is about how um, between like 1979 and 1982 in this like super rural valley in between like Washington, Oregon, and Idaho, like where all those state lines meet, uh-huh. five people either went missing what? or were murdered yeah in like this very rural area um and all of the cases that are cold uh-huh. and they uh-huh. think they think that at, at least four are definitely all the same perp maybe five
0: uh-huh
1: and um it follows this incredibly badass like rural lady detective i love like, it this is her these are her cases now yeah and but like the crazy thing is and it's like this is not a spoiler because they they like minute 1 talk about this like everyone's like 98% sure that they know who did it um but like it's all, it's all circumstantial so like they're, they they can't get an arrest anyway i watched that like all in a day the other day because it was so good like i couldn't stop watching it but cold valley on hulu super good
0: i just googled it so i pulled it pulled it up and put it on my yeah. on my phone
1: you will love it
0: yeah, yeah. i hope Perfect. so
1: how have Sounds you been good. um how have you been keeping entertained in year 17 um, i know seriously what i just
0: i just finished something and was trying to watch something else oh i started trying to watch caliphate on netflix okay it's it's fictional um but i mean it's like based on true stories of people who go to I want to say work for isis but i know that that's wrong so it's it's it follows the story of these muslim girls in sweden and it's a sweet it's a swedish show in sweden and i didn't realize it until i was like two episodes in because they dubbed it all in english okay and i just like i was reading the subtitles not like watching their lips yeah um but so it's about them and how like they grew up in like Muslim homes, but they weren't like
1: strict, right? Or what's the word? They weren't like super religious. Like it was yeah. more cultural than like conservative.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and they like find like on um, one girl like finds this group on the internet that she's like super into, and they like. They send her a hijab that she, like, starts wearing all the time, and her parents are like, we don't want you to wear that because it's, like, dangerous to go out and wear that because it's, like, it takes place, like, a few years back when, like, everyone was, like, had crazy.
1: Well, especially oh, yeah. in Europe, like, especially in Europe, yeah. some women, like, do get harassed for wearing hijabs in public. Yeah.
0: Um, and it kind of goes through a flashback of, like, one woman who – came from this town in Sweden she went to I think that I think they're in Iran she went to Iran she married a guy they have a baby and now she's trying to go home Mm. she has realized that it's not what she thought it was going to be and so she's like talking to this reporter back at home in Sweden like I need you to help me get out and the reporter's like my bosses aren't going to help me help you get out unless you can give me information. And so it's like this flashback between this girl who's about to like get sucked in and this other girl who's trying to get oh, yeah. out. And it's really interesting. So good. Yeah. So, and so good. like, I think I've, we've talked about it on this podcast before, but the podcast Caliphate by um LA times or New York times. I don't remember. That one is so good. That one is a true story about a, a Canadian teenager who Goes over to Syria to work so, with okay. ISIS, and those stories just like blow my mind.
1: Yeah, wow, yeah. So, those are your content recommendations for this time yeah. of quarantine. Um,
0: and but- um, Moana, still into Moana, so <laughs> if you want non true
1: crime, we watch Moana about three times a day. Still very into it, I'm yeah. glad to hear it. It's that's great, that's important. Thank you, yeah. Mike. Yeah, um, by the way, this is lightweight true crime. <laughs>
0: A drink where (laughs) a drink is it a drink drink where two podcasts share a girl and a story? (laughs) A podcast where two girls share a drink and a story. We're the
1: two girls, we're sharing whiskey gingers.
0: Whiskey gingers. Oh, we normally figure this out before we figure out who is going first.
1: Mine's super recent. Yeah, um, so maybe you should go first. Okay.
0: So I'll go first. So yeah, this is so the story. Okay. This is the story of, uh, sorry, I'm trying to like split screen. That's okay. Um, this is the story of the suicide of Alex Ultura. Okay. So on my sources, I have finally figured out a system how to put my sources at Attic- the top. Attic- <laughs> Boston Globe, BC Heights. Boston CBS, and BuzzFeed. Nice. Okay, so Alex Ultura was a student at Boston College who was going to graduate last May, so May 2019. And just 20 hours before he was supposed to to walk across the stage, he jumped from the top level of the Roxbury parking garage. Um, and so when, like, people, like, find out what happened, they're really confused because he's never been depressed or suicidal. Um, but about a year and a half ago, he did kind of start isolating himself from his friends and family. Um, and so investigators try and, in his family and friends try and figure out what happened. So in 2017, Alex met um, a girl named In Young Yoo, um, and she was a student from South Korea. Um, and they met because she was the treasurer of a Filipino club which I thought was so crazy. I don't know if Alex was Filipino, but I just thought how cool that they have a South Korean student like yeah. on the board of the Filipino club, so That's inclusive. Cool. Um, and they start dating um, shortly after um, and his friends start to kind of notice that he's kind of starting to act a little bit differently, but they can't really like put their fingers on it. Um, and a few months into dating, into dating In Young, um, she discovered that Alex had seen his ex-girlfriend at like an event or like on campus or something. It wasn't like he like texted her and they went on a date or whatever. They just like bumped into each other. And In Young got really upset about this um, and told him that he is not allowed to ever see her. He has to block her on everything. And at first he's kind of like, okay, like, I get it. You don't really know me we have only been dating for a few months. Like, sure, fine. But then their relationship kind of starts to turn. um, And it's been described as like a master slave relationship, Mm -hmm. which is not good. Um, And there's all of their texts have been made public. And it's crazy. There's like 100,000 texts that are public that you can go read through you have to like, you have to subscribe to the Boston Globe, I think. And I wasn't going to do that. Um, But there are tons where like, they go back and forth. Alex calls himself like her slave. She owns him. So it seems like it's like a mutual, like BDSM type relationship from face value. Yeah. Um, And I I kind of hop back and forth between the few days before he ends up, um, committing suicide and like the beginning of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'll get to it at the end. The lawyers are trying to say that, no, this is, um, this is how she was just a few days before and she purposefully led him to this. And then the other side are obviously saying like, no, this was their relationship. It had nothing to do with it. So I'm going to pop back and forth. Okay. Okay. So in 2019, um, in April, so this is literally like a month before Alex kills himself. He sends her a text that says you own me, all of me, only you, you have complete control of me emotionally and physically. You dictate my happiness. You owning me includes everything. What I think, what I feel, you own all of it, all of my history, everything, anything you want, I give it to you. Your happiness is my only priority.
1: This sounds like the lyrics to a really bad worship song. <laughs>
0: it really does. I was going to say it were like a 90s emo punk song. <laughs> you own all <laughs> So <laughs> around the time that, um, that they, like in the middle of their relationship, Alex kind of starts blocking more people um, and Young is making him block more and more people and stop talking to more and more people. Um, obviously as a form of control. She wants to make sure that she knows where he is at all time and she's getting that satisfaction by him, you know, sending texts to her like you own me. Um
1: so it's an abusive, it's an emotionally yes, and psychologically yes, yep. relationship at this point.
0: Yeah. So um a few days before his death, Alex was expressing fears to his friends. He was saying that he was afraid of what might happen at The graduation ceremony because he knew that if In Young saw him interacting with anybody else, she was gonna be really upset about it. And um, she had even like texted him things that she had basically said that she was gonna be upset if he talked to anybody. So she said that at graduation ceremony, all it was gonna take is for someone to come up to you and pull you aside and come running to you and hugging you. And you will just effing do everything again to disrespect me and break your promise, F you and go effing kill yourself and everyone in that toxic group, they all deserve to effing die. So clearly homegirls got some issues.
1: To say the least therapy.
0: Yeah. Um and a lot of her texts go like swing back and forth like that really fast. Like, like, I love you, you're everything to me, and then like I effing hate you, go die. Yeah. Um, But, and the ones that aren't, like, the nice are, like, super graphic. So she has either, a lot of her texts have either included graphic, like, details of how she's going to kill herself if he does something, or how he should kill himself if he does something. So she uses these as threats to manipulate him into doing whatever she wants. Yikes. And during their relationship, friends had even asked Alex, like, why don't you break up with her? Like, you seem unhappy because every once in a while he would voice those things to his friends, like, hey, we're fighting or like, hey, whatever, like as you do with your friends. And the friends would be like, why don't you leave her? And he would tell his friends, like, I think she's going to kill herself if I leave her. So I have to try and like, figure this out, which is like, I just feel so bad for him because that is like, it's not his responsibility, right. but obviously as a human being and like, even if you don't want to be with somebody like you've, you loved
1: her in the past, at least like. Yeah. um, And I feel like, I mean, we, we hardly prepare young women to like mm-hmm. straight young women to like be able to determine signs of like gaslighting and abuse and manipulation. And we for sure. Do. yeah we don't prepare young men straight young men and so like how would he have known right and
0: she had even like written things like um and told him like this is what i'm gonna post on my social media right before i kill myself and blame you for it or i'm gonna leave a, a suicide note that's gonna blame you for it so i understand why he felt stuck and why he didn't leave her so um I'm uh, sorry, I lost my spot, so in December of twenty eighteen, which is four months before he ends up killing himself, he texts a friend saying, I'm worried, I need help. I can't do this alone and that was like the last time that he like reached out to somebody you know voicing those concerns. people, his friends and his family kind of noticed things later, but that was the last time he actually kind of reached out, yeah um and at that time like right after he got that his friend got that text message his friend called the campus health center emergency services and told him the the whole thing like hey my friend is like wants to break up with his girlfriend but she's saying she's gonna kill herself you know she's written out what she's gonna do she has a plan and they told the friend that there was no immediate imminent danger um so They didn't do anything about it. So Alex didn't really have a way out. So he stayed with her. And in his journal around this time, he wrote, she attacks my self-worth. Whenever we argue, it always reverts back to the past and how I lied and hurt her before and how she doesn't believe it won't happen again. Then when I agree to it, when I agree to end it because she's done with me because I'm a quote, horrible F up that is just a burden on everyone's life. She in turn threatens to kill herself because of me. So what is happening now, present day, is the people, so the prosecutors are trying to, um, well, they, they've indicted In Young on um, counts of manslaughter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so what I put, my question right here was, this is clearly abuse, but how does this equal manslaughter? So um the prosecutor's not defense, their offense, is that um so on the morning of graduation, the day where Alex commits suicide, he spends the night at Inyoung's, which wasn't the plan. He was going to stay with his family, and then they were gonna drive to the ceremony together um for graduation. But instead he spends the night at Inyoung's and instead of going to meet his family, he ends up driving to the parking garage. And when in Young realizes that Alex is not there anymore, she tries to find him. She looks up his location and sees that he's at this parking garage. So she starts driving to him. And the whole time, she's texting him, trying to call him, telling him, stop, don't do it. Like, we don't want you to die. We love you. Trying
1: to get him to stop. There are records of her. Yeah. Okay. Interesting.
0: Yep. And she said things like, if you ever loved me, stop right now. Like she says that phrase over and over again, like, if you've ever loved me, like trying to, you know, tug at his heartstrings like she has been doing this whole time. Um, And she gets there just minutes before he jumps. So she spends time with him up there on the roof and nobody knows what is said. So Uh prosecutors think that she I mean, either way, she didn't help the situation. She should have called 911. They're they're saying- She didn't call
1: 911?
0: Didn't call 911.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: So the prosecutors are claiming that she had a legal responsibility to call 911 because she knew that it was a serious threat. Yeah. So that like, they're not, none of this next part is included Uh in any of the court cases or anything like this, but there are a lot of people who think that not only did she not help, but she made the situation worse, mm-hmm. which I fully believe that there's that there's a chance that she helped him. That I mean, worst case scenario, she pushed him. Right. I think that there would be evidence of that. I think
1: probably I like also felt- it feels like, regardless of whether or not she got up there and was like, "Yeah, do it," or "Please don't." Right. Everything leading up to that yeah. is her, is still her fault. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So right after Alex commits suicide, In Young returns to South Korea. Um, and in October of 2019, a grand jury indicted her on the offense of involuntary manslaughter. Um, which is they're going after the same um, the same charges as Michelle Carter. Yes, I was um, just saying there's yeah. just
1: the same like same-ish case. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the difference is is that Michelle Carter um, helped her boyfriend plan his suicide. Um, but he started to back out. So their plan was he was gonna die in a carbon monoxide filled truck. And he started the whole thing. And then he started feeling sleepy and he got out of the truck and called her and said, I don't want to go through with this. I don't want to go through with this. And she said, if you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. Get back in the car. <sighs> so, there's a huge difference there is, is that, Michelle Carter was a very loving, supportive girlfriend until they started making those plans because her boyfriend um, Conrad had been their whole like two-year relationship in saying that he was suicidal and she'd always be like, like, let's get help, whatever. And then finally, like, I don't know what happened, but she started helping him and really pushed him to it. Whereas in Young, their entire relationship, she's abusive, she's gaslighting. And then this happens. It's a very clear. Both are
1: very problematic. Both are not good. Right.
0: Yeah. They're just not the same. And so it was interesting to me that they're going after the same charge, um, which Michelle Carter ended up being sentenced to, um, 15 months, but was let out early, um, for good behavior. Um, and, after she was convicted, she appealed because she thought that the charges violated her First Amendment rights to free speech. So oh her lawyer's honey, claim was, I'm allowed away. to tell my boyfriend to kill himself.
1: Yeah, go away, honey. But go that
0: away. that was denied big time. So after the grand jury indicted In Young in October of 2019, she voluntarily returns to Boston. So she sees that she's indicted Instead of having to be extradited, she just comes back to Boston. Yep. Um, and her bail is set at $5,000 because the courts are like, you have no previous criminal record. You you came back. We'll set it low. Um, there's still not a trial date set um, because obviously right now it's May of 2020. So it's only been a handful of months and the entire world is shut down Yeah, yeah, right yeah. now. Um, But prosecutors, oh, I already said this. They're seeking the same charges as Michelle Carter. Um, We're not entirely sure what um, In Young's defense is going to be. There are theories that her defense is going to be that, no, this was just like a random, like, we're in this weird BDSM relationship that millennials do or whatever. (laughs) Ah, yeah. I've read that as a theory that, like, young people in the hookup culture, like millennials, and I was like... I'm listening. I feel
1: my computer cord. Keep going.
0: Got it. Um, should I tell some secrets about Sarah? No. <laughs> Did you guys know that Sarah? Oh man, just really ruining the podcast here. Sarah, you are kicked off.
1: Gosh darn it, Sarah. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. We're just going to have to cut that middle part out. (laughs) Who the hell is that? Um, (laughs) Now we're back from a brief intermission. Okay, hold on. Let's both clap. One, two, three. Okay. So we don't know what her defense is going to be. I'm very sorry. We don't know what her defense is going to be.
0: There's a lot of theories. Her defense lawyers have like, you know, said some things that like, like it's, can you turn your computer
1: sound off? I'm I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. Okay.
0: Why are you texting right now, anyways?
1: Because it was my dad That's and I don't want him to think I'm
0: dead. Oh, okay. That's yeah. fair. Okay. Um Yeah, are- we're not sure what her defense is gonna be. <laughs> anyways, a really sad story of a bright young man. Wow. In an abusive relationship. So we'll put the we've we've put the um Domestic abuse hotline in our bios. Before we'll put it in again, and if I remember, I'll put it on Instagram. I I think I say some that I'm going to post something to Instagram every single episode and never do. So I should maybe write these things down. Um, but if you have friends who are, you see them isolating themselves, or they're saying that their their partner is threatening to kill themselves if you break up with them or anything at all that you think might be suspicious talk to somebody talk to them call the anonymous domestic abuse hotline they can help you they have resources they can tell you what to do even if you're not in the relationship you're an outsider yeah and all you want to do is say hey my friend is acting funny and his girlfriend won't let him text me or whatever
1: yeah yeah they'll tell you what to do that's, like, such an important thing to recognize, like, the isolating you from people that you love um, and, like, other people. Like, no one who actually loves you or wants the best for you is going to, like, keep you from other good relationships right. in your life. Like, that's just, like, a textbook right? example of an abuser. Right. If
0: it's, like, one relationship, if your, like, significant other is, like, oh, that one friend that you have is toxic – Right. That's different. But if they're like every single person that you know you can't talk to. Right. No. That other person is bad. They
1: they are the denominator there. It's good. Well told. Sorry for the way that I ruined it there in the middle. That's fine. uh, The middle. The middle. Middle. Um so so Ryan, you gotta you gotta cut that out. Um but good job.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna eat some cookies. So I'm gonna mute myself unless I'm um, talking.
1: Do it, girl. Okay. So, I am going to tell you. You'll reckon, I don't know if you'll recognize the name, but you'll recognize the story because it is kind of like it's not as famous as like some of the classics like Joan Bonet and you know, GSK and whatnot, but it yeah. is a very well known um, okay. story. This is the story of Asia Degree. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wowza. Um, and for my sources, I have uh, I looked at Wikipedia, the Charlie Project, the FBI's website about this case. Um, very as well official. As it, it, seriously, as well as Nick, Nick um has a lot of information. So it goes like this. And also, I guess I didn't realize that when this all happened, she was roughly our age. and like would be our age now, which is crazy. Oh.
0: I thought you meant like she
1: was our age as she, we are now. She was 29. It, I no. was like, wait, this is a completely <laughs> different story. I thought she was a child. No, okay. she was. Like we were children in the year 2000. So in 2000, Aisha Degree was a fourth grader at Falston Elementary School, which was located in a rural community on the western edge of Charlotte, North Carolina. She lived with her two parents and her brother, who was a year older than her. Their family life um, revolved around work, school, and their church community, and the parents were very careful about what they let into their homes and what they let influence their children. Asia's mom describes her as being cautious, shy, and content. So Sunday, February 13th, which, let's see, in 2000, would have been the day after my ninth birthday. Wow. Um, It was a normal day for the Degree family. They went to church and visited relatives. And then around 8 p.m., Aisha and her brother, O'Brien, went to bed in the room that they shared. Um, About an hour later, the power went out in their house um, because, like, a nearby, like, a car ran into a pole down the street. So the power comes back on at 1230 in the morning, at which point Aisha's dad, Harold, looks in on his kids, sees that they're both, you know, sleeping. And then apparently he was a night owl and he looked in on them again around 230 as he was getting ready to go to bed. Sees them both asleep. (laughs) I know, right? How
0: how can you be a parent and go to bed at 2 a.m.?
1: I kind of wonder if that was normal or if like part of it was he was up till 1230 because the power and yeah,
0: that's true. That would that would get me. I would be up all night if something like
1: that happened. Totally. So, um, so t- two thirty a.m. He's getting ready to go to bed. Sees them both in their rooms or in their room, and a little after their dad looked in on them the last time, Aisha's brother heard her bed squeak, but didn't think much of it. I grew up it with a bedroom very close to my sister's bedroom. And I slept in like a very squeaky, like Victorian iron bed. So like my whole family could hear if I turned over in my sleep.
0: Yeah, me too.
1: Yeah. So, um, he falls back asleep. So then around 6 a.m. Aisha's mother Aquila goes into the kid's room to wake them up for school. It's a Monday, but Aisha wasn't in her bed she tells her husband like i can't find asia and he's like Go, maybe she went to your or to his mother lived across the street so he was like maybe she went over there um but when aquila called her mother-in-law's house um her sister-in-law answered and she was like no she's not here so then harold and aquila called 911 like there is no you know if if ander yeah. but like maybe she went somewhere else And by 6.40 in the morning, the first police officers had arrived on the scene. Um, Aquila goes through the neighborhood, like, calling Aisha's name, waking up the whole neighborhood by 7 in the morning. Friends, family, and neighbors, they canceled their plans for that day to assist police in the search for this little girl. But by the end of that day, all that they had found was a single mitten, which Aquila said wasn't even her daughter's. Mm -hmm. She's like, No.
0: I don't think Um, I knew that about the mitten.
1: I didn't know that either. It's crazy. Um, There was no sign of forced entry into the house, and there was no promising scent trail for police dogs to follow. So that afternoon, um, authorities had received at least two separate reports from people who said they saw a young female matching Aisha's description walking along Highway 18 going in the opposite direction of the degree's home around four o'clock that morning. One person said that they were, they were so alarmed by like seeing this little girl, um like walking by on the highway in the wee hours by yeah. her son, that they it, like, go ahead.
0: Like when you say highway, is it like,
1: I think it's like, pro- my guess would be like a rural County highway. Like,
0: Okay, so it's like, like probably two, like two lanes. Two lanes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I've always wondered that, and I I'll always mean to look it up because, like, when you say highway, I grew up in Southern California. That's yeah. a six by six lane
1: freeway. Is, <laughs> like, the main highway in town here, when you get in between towns, is two lanes in between cornfields. So, so crazy. Which is my guess because they live which in this area.
0: Either way, not a sidewalk right walkable for a child street right i just always wondered is it like a crazy freeway that a bunch of people passed her
1: well at least two people did and one of them who called in said that they were so alarmed by this little girl walking on the side of the highway that they flipped around to like go back and check on her um but when they by the time they turned around they saw her like darting into the woods that's gives me the chills the chills. Every which time. makes me think, like, was it because she didn't want to be seen? Like, she knew that that car was coming back? Was it coincidence? Right. Was. It's, I don't know. Yeah. I, I hate it,
0: literally. I, I hate that part. Yeah. So like not good chills. Yeah, not good it's chills. Very chills.
1: So in their search of the home, the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office in North Carolina find that some of Asia's belongings are missing a black book bag, and a black Tweety Bird purse, um, a pair of jeans, black sneakers, a long-sleeved white shirt with purple lettering, a red vest, black overalls, and a long-sleeved black and white shirt. So again, also all the doors to the house like were locked um, and there were no signs of forced entry. So between that and the fact that a change of clothes and a bag were missing from Aisha's right. things. The authorities have to consider the possibility that, like, she packed a bag and left on her own.
0: Right. Which is like, even if she's a runaway, like, she's what,
1: eight, nine? Like, she, yeah, she's nine, probably t- 2000. She's, yeah, she's eight or nine. Yeah,
0: you can't really be a runaway where they don't track you down at that age. Like, I feel like it's not until you're a teenager where they're like, oh, she just ran away. She'll fend for herself. Like, and it's,
1: It sounds like this is one of those rare cases where, like, it was not treated like that. Yeah.
0: They were like, it looks like she ran away, but we're not going to treat it like that,
1: which is nuts. Right. So the one question they couldn't answer with that theory is why? Aisha was a young, shy girl without behavioral or disciplinary issues um, there was no evidence that she had planned to meet on someone that, or planned to meet someone that night. Um, this is, what did I say? 2000? Um, yeah. Uh, so it's 2000, like, cell phones are not, like, nine-year-olds.
0: nine-year-olds, no. Nine-year-olds Apparently don't have, really have cell phones.
1: Right. And the family didn't have a computer in their house, so it's not like she met somebody online. Yeah. It also would have been much harder to do back then, but- right. Yeah. And by all accounts, her home life was happy um, and didn't give investigators any reason to think she was fleeing neglect or abuse. Yeah. And like in all the research I did about this case, there wasn't even like the smallest hint of like something being wrong. Yeah. Family. So there was so little like negative in her life for her to be running away from that. Some theories are developed that she was upset about a basketball game her team had lost that weekend. but her family was like, yeah, she was upset, but she got over it. Right. Had her team ever lost before? Like, Yeah, it, like, like literally they're just grasping at straws. Right. Um, And then another theory is that um, she was inspired by a book her fourth grade class had read at school about a prince and a commoner child who run away together and have adventures, but come back safely in the end. So seriously, people are just like grasping yeah. whatever they can think of. So um, three days later, on February 17th, candy wrappers are found in a shed at a local business that was next to the highway where Asia was last seen. And along with the candy wrappers are a pencil, a marker, and a Mickey Mouse-shaped hair bow that were identified as Aisha's. So a week after this discovery, 9,000 man-hours had been Yikes. invested in the search of the two to three mile radius of where she had been seen like darting into the woods.
0: Yeah. And is that where they, is that when they found the, the candy wrappers and stuff or was that just,
1: it was after they found the candy wrappers. Okay. Got um, it. So they devote 9,000 man hours to searching like, you know, three miles. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's a, lot, that's a but, lot, but also you would, it would, of course you would do it. It also would end. It's not like an endless, like it's not right. like a, it's not a state park, you know. Right. Um, so they call the search off, um, but the county sheriff urges the media to keep the story alive, and the FBI and North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation get involved, and they put Asia in their databases of missing children. So in August of 2001, 18 months after Asia has disappeared. Um, a local contractor discovers Aisha's book bag, complete with her name and telephone number written in it, buried off of Highway 18. It had been double wrapped in plastic trash bags, and it was 26 miles away from her home, Yikes. in a different direction from where she was last seen walking by witnesses. Ugh. So this is the crazy part. This is the this is stuff I didn't know. So inside the bag was a new Kids on the Block T-shirt and a children's book. Um, oh, that so, Sorry, I interrupted okay. you. But the crazy thing is, neither of these things belonged to Asia. I didn't know that. Even though, okay, so it didn't. None of the stuff belonged to Asia, but the book was from the library at her elementary school. What? Yes. That seems huge. So, yes. So the FBI takes all those items to their lab for forensic analysis. Uh-huh. But any results or leads they received were never publicly released. <sighs> so either they're sitting on something or there wasn't anything that could help. So that's I know. That's nuts because it's like,
0: even if, even I feel like even the most, um, Uh, the safest scenario where she gets the book is she steals it from the library at her school and nobody knows or whoever checked it out gave it to her and she thought it important enough to take it with her which those are both like huge things
1: right right
0: and the shirt is a whole opens a whole other can of worms
1: right this is nuts so that's 18, that's 2001, that's 18 months after her disappearance. Then in 2015, which is 15 years after she disappeared, Dang. the FBI announces that FBI agents, the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office investigators, and the State Bureau of Investigation, of, the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation, were re-examining the case and re-interviewing witnesses. Um, So in May of 2016, the FBI announces that their reinvestigation of the case has turned up a possible new lead. They announced that Asia may have been seen getting into a dark green early 1970s Lincoln Continental or a 1970s Ford Thunderbird along Highway 18 where she was last seen that night. Um, It was also described the car as having rust around its wheel wells.
0: I feel like they all do.
1: Yeah, definitely by They're now.
0: always dark green, Lincoln Continentals with rust.
1: And a car from the 70s. Yep. So in October 2018, the Cleveland County Sheriff's Office detectives appealed for information from the public about the two items that were found in the Gosh. buried book bag. Uh-huh. The book was called McElligott's Pool, a children's book by Dr. Seuss, and the New mm-hmm. Kid on the Block concert t-shirt with, with – which authorities believe are critical to solving the case. Yeah. Which is like no shit. <laughs> um, so working with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, the FBI has released multiple age-progressed photos of Asia, including a new version this year showing what Asia may look like now as a 29-year-old. Which
0: is our age.
1: This is our age. That's which nuts. Which is nanners. Um, it's also weird because like, okay, August 2001, like when they discovered her bag and stuff, like I remember I went away to summer camp, August of 2001, you know, like I, it's bizarre. Is that
0: when you became a dub of morning light?
1: Um, no, August, 2001. I only remember it is I went away to camp with a friend and my mom sent me with like letters. Yes.
0: It was French camp.
1: And she sent me letters to open every day. Uh Huh? Like while I was there and I, I only remember it because September first of that year, my cousins got married at our house, uh-huh. and so I remember like the letters would say like nine days to like Brian's wedding, and Cute. I only remember it was two thousand one because they got married on September first, and then ten days later was September eleventh.
0: Oh yeah. I
1: usually don't remember like how old I was or where I was like yeah for things, life, but for some reason that's like burned in my brain. A lot of big things happened to you for that month. A lot of big things. So, they just re- like just in February of this year, like released the new age progress photos of Asia. I haven't seen it. Oh my gosh, wild. So, Asia's family has never given up hope that Asia might be out there alive somewhere. Yeah. Um, we're hoping and we're praying that she's had a halfway decent life, even though we didn't get to raise her, Aquila said. Mm. She was nine years old and she'll be 30 this year. So we've missed everything, but I don't care if she walked in the door right now. I wouldn't care what I missed. All I want to do is see her. Yeah. So if you have any information about Asia degree, please call the tip line at 704-672-6100 or the national center for missing and exploited children, which is 1-800-THE-LOST. Um, and that is the perplexing mystery of asia degree that's nuts isn't that i Ugh. i read so i read this
0: this fiction story that i cannot remember what it's called but every time i hear the story of asia degree and this book they're like connected in my mind because what happens is it's this like 10-year-old girl who starts going to church with one of her friends and then like on the internet starts like chatting with their youth pastor who turns out to be super gross and Mm -hmm. convinces her to run away with him and he like obviously is not a good guy. Yeah. And he basically like keeps her in his basement for a long time and it like spends a few years of him saying, like, your parents didn't love you, whatever, so she finally runs away, but thinks her parents don't want her back, so she spends, like, the rest of her life, like, you know, like, living on the street and whatever, and finally goes back to her family when she's, like, 30, and just, like, the parallels are so crazy of, like, because, like, the the story is written from her perspective, and then from the family's perspective, from before she comes back. So like the family has no idea what happened to her. Wait, what is the name of this book? I
1: don't know, I can't remember. Is it like, what about Jane or something? That sounds super familiar. I think I read it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like
0: the, the family like has no idea cause there's no signs of breaking and entering. Like you have a weird look on your face.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to remember this. Is it, like, the it's, truth about Jane? Like, maybe. I think, I, think, I, think I read this book. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, and it's yeah. very, very similar. If, like, Asia Degree is alive, like, it would be very – Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because it, it has to be somebody lured her out. Mm-hmm. Or, like, it's either, like, that book inspired her to run away and have adventures, which is, I think, a huge stretch – and then something, she accidentally ran into trouble. Right. Those both seem like stretches. Somebody had to have lured her out or told her, like, let's go meet somewhere. Like, maybe one of her friends at school was like, let's run away together and have adventures, like those kids in the book. Yeah. And then the other friend never showed or whatever. Or it was some creepy person who
1: was like, I'm going to take you with me. It it's just crazy, like so many reasons. But like fourth grade is too old to like not understand that the world is kind of dangerous. Yeah, without your parents, right? And it's not like six, you know. Like it's not like you right. don't. You're
0: not understand. oblivious and naive, yeah. but it's also it's also too old to think that you can be independent. Like right, or at, like ten, it's like okay, I know the world is scary, but like. I'm a big person, so I'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And like, even if that's something you thought in the daytime, I feel like those thoughts would go away. Right. When you were like in the dark dark. by yourself. So, even
0: like, so when her brother like wakes up because her bed is squeaking, like that can't be the time that she got out of bed and left, or it would have.
1: You think he would have kept here? He would have. Right. And
0: yeah. All of that is just like. So crazy. What if it's aliens? <laughs> That's really the most logical explanation in my mind right now because nothing I, else makes sense.
1: I just hope that like this family gets answers one way or the other.
0: Yeah. Best case scenario is she's safe and yeah, she comes back. But yeah.
1: bananas. Yeah. Um. Do you have an icebreaker question for us? I don't. Do you? <laughs> Um, let me, why don't you
0: explain what an icebreaker question okay. is? Okay. Yeah. Um. Good call. So an icebreaker question is where, wait, we always do this. They're called detox questions. Oh
1: my gosh. It's not an icebreaker question. I'm sorry. That is I'm, the wrong v- one who
0: always does that. Yeah. A detox question is a type of icebreaker question, but instead of being at the beginning to break the ice, we do it at the end to cleanse our palate from all the horribleness that we just discussed and right.
1: detox from the
0: alcohol that we've been drinking.
1: Here here. Um okay, uh Emily, uh-huh. what is the last book that you read? <laughs> I'm in the middle of reading a book
0: called something about Venus Black or like my name is Venus Black or something. Okay. It's a young adult thriller mystery and I'm listening to it. So I'm not that into it it's, I don't know. So it's, it's about this girl who, when she was 13, she killed her stepdad and blames it on her mom. And we don't know why she killed her stepdad, but it was like in some sort of defense. Cause she keeps saying like, I don't know why my mom is like mad at me or like, I can't believe she didn't know that he was doing this or something like that. And then while like a few days after she's arrested her little brother, with autism, gets kidnapped. And so she, who is like, and she, Venus Black, the main character is the only person who the brother trusts. The brother doesn't trust even like their mom. So she's in, in there freaking out. Like she has to go to trial for just murdering her stepdad and her brother is lost. Um, and then I, I just got to the part where it like, brother gets kidnapped she's freaking out and then it skips the whole five years that she spends in jail so then it goes right to she gets out and goes to look for her brother and so i just got to that part and it's just kind of slow wow um before that i read um station 11 um which georgia on my favorite murder talked about um it sounded cool it's about something called the georgian flu which is not from the state of Georgia, is from the country of Georgia. Georgia yeah. um, it's basically like exactly what's happening in the world today. Like a, f- a flu comes out and kills a ton of people in the world. And that one was interesting. Mm. It's fiction.
1: So you're really cleansing your palate with some equally horrible stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. sure, sure sure yeah i i do that too where it's like i'll be listening to podcasts and like watching tv shows and i'll be like wait which murder is this and that's yeah that's when i know i need to like mix it up
0: yeah Yeah. i watch i watch moana three times a day so that works for me
1: talk about the ultimate palate cleanser yeah sure um i am reading a book right now called and you and i have talked about yeah
0: Um, i saw this on your
1: instagram or something yeah the body keeps the score by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. And it is amazing. It is so, so good. Um, I just finished, like, it's so, it's it's dense, but it's, like, very readable. Like, it's not a textbook. Um, but it's basically, he's, like, the world's, like, m- like, leading expert on trauma and, like, what it does to your body. Um, and I just read the most incredible chapter on EMDR. Have you heard of it? Yeah, but I don't remember what it it is. So, like, eye movement rapid something, or yeah something rapid, I, I don't remember what it's called, but basically, like, long story short, the soapbox I've been giving people about it, like, reading this chapter, because um, I, uh, you and I have a mutual friend who's, like, done this type of therapy, so basically, the way that, like, when somebody has, like, PTSD from a traumatic event, like, th- take, like, a vet, right, like, they hear a car backfire, and they think it's... Um, you know, they're back in Fallujah, you know, like in war and they experience the same, like fear and bodily sensations that they would, that they did when they were like on the front line. So the difference, so what trauma does is that it tricks your body and your mind into thinking that the bad thing that happened to you in the past is happening right now. And so like you experience all the same, like bodily sensations and, but like what needs to happen to like help heal you is your mind needs to reintegrate those memories to like memories of something that happened in the past so that mm. you're not triggered. Thinking it's something. now. Yeah. Yeah. So what um, EMDR is, is so it's based on or it's connected to when you're having, when you're in like a REM cycle, when you're sleeping and you're dreaming and like uh-huh. your eyes are doing all the rapid movement stuff when you're in REM your dreaming is part of like your mind synthesizing like all of your weird thoughts and experiences and like placing them in the right place. Uh So EMDR is like, you talk about like trauma you've experienced with a therapist and you follow their finger with your eyes to like replicate that rapid eye movement. Uh And basically it helps your brain like appropriately file those memories Weird. And the crazy thing is, is it's super simple and it's proven like crazy effective with people who have either like returned from war or people who've like experienced like serious abuse and trauma that has caused them to like have all these triggers. Yeah. It's been like insanely effective. That's Um,
0: nuts. It's like, like at first I was gonna, I thought you were gonna say it's like, they like hypnotize you because you were like, you follow their finger with with your eye. And I was like, mm, I don't know. I'm sure that like, like I've seen like magician hypnotists like work and do crazy things or whatever, but yeah, know. It, that's different. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. So it's been, it's been super, super interesting to read because like he, he was one of the first like psychiatrists to work with, um, vets coming back from Vietnam, like before mm-hmm. they knew what PTSD was and before yeah. they, words for it and he was like I don't know how to help these people like I don't I don't yeah and so it's kind of it's like become his life's work yeah uh, to like figure out uh, like what trauma does to the body and like how to how to help it so that's what I've been reading it's been very interesting so yeah yeah you gotta let let
0: me know if it explains why I'm getting hives still
1: trust me I'm hoping to get to the hives chapter very soon cool cool I will keep you posted okay
0: um, make sure to follow us on the interwebs. Yeah, we're on Instagram at lightweight true crime. And I said I'd post something, but we'll see.
1: Who can say? Who can um say? make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Yep. And
0: uh email us at lwtruecrime at gmail.com. And, and uh wear a mask. Yeah, wash your hands. And um Cheers. Cheers clear. Cool. <laughs>